and welcome. We're back for episode 13 of My Fancy Zamboni. Um, we are joined by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Hello, Joe. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Andy Stafford once again. Hello, Andy. Hello. And the man with one with one tooth, I was going to say then, the man with no teeth, Mr. Gareth Dutton, is also here. Hello, Gareth. Good evening, Gareth. Good evening. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I feel like we need to get this trending, hashtag, who is Gareth Dutton. Um, anyway, so, the last week just gone, we've got a bit to recap, because we're only recording on Thursday um, evening this week, Thursday the 6th of December, so a couple of days later than normal. Um, but over the last week, Nottingham... Uh, scored three shorthanded goals against Glasgow for a 7-2 win. Uh, you had Coventry throwing away a 4-0 lead against Guildford for Guildford to win 6-5 in overtime. Um, you've then got the Flyers um, getting rid of their losing streak with a 4-3 overtime win against the Storm. And finally, the Giants kicked off their Challenge Cup uh, run. Challenge Cup, not Conti Cup. They kicked off their Challenge Cup run against the Stars well with an 8-0 win in Dundee's barn. Um, guys, we've got any highlights from the last weekend? Last week, even. I'm going to further away than the, the Sheffield Belfast doubleheader. Um, two great nights of hockey um, from both sides. Uh, a lot of it, I, I generally thought was playoff hockey, that it was physical, it was intense. A lot of it was end-to-end. Um, all three netminders across both nights brought their A games. Um, and it was just great to watch. And, and regardless of what team you supported, you trekked to some fantastic hockey. And on the whole, I've got to also say, I thought the refereeing on both nights was good. In essence, it let the game determine and they called what was necessary. Um, so fair play to the refs on both nights. But what a great weekend of hockey that we, uh, everybody who watched live or um, on the webcast was, uh, was, it was a privilege to watch. Yeah, I, that for me on the Saturday, that was a, a pretty good game from a neutral perspective as well. But for me, the highlights are probably either the Nottingham v Guildford game, which was 8-3 to Nottingham, or Cardiff v Fife, which was 8-3 as well. Those are the two games that we had predicted as being pretty close, but they were further away. Yeah, again, we, we highlight whenever we make these predictions, do not put any bets on them, although I would like to say I called the game to the first leg of the doubleheader absolutely perfectly. I went with Belfast, win by two, last goal to be an empty net goal. Thank you very much. That's the only one I think I've got right across the whole 13 episodes, so I will take that one with pride. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> Andy, what, have you got any highlights from the weekend or the week just gone? Yeah, my highlight was the Milan Keys Lightning game against Manchester Storm. Uh, we were likely winning 5 2 against that one. Uh, yeah, since putting uh, Ryan Lannan and Tim Wallace in charge of, of MK, it's uh, lost some results recently. And um, you know, they only took uh, four minutes to look more to score the first ball. And then uh, Nelson Armstrong uh, equalised, and then from there it was just, just all MK. You know, uh, Owen Griffith scoring, I think that's his first uh, of the season for MK. And uh, George Broadcross again on, on the power play. Uh, and and just, just a great result for MK, and uh, I think they're getting a, a bit of their all back. 
Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. Um, no, this, this, a lot of teams that seem to be getting a bit of a rollback again. I mean, Nottingham, in fairness, over the last week, have, uh, they've had the form win against MK. Um, obviously, 8-3 against Guildford, 7-2 against Glasgow, and then the 6-1 against Storm. So another team that seemed to be on a bit of a roll after maybe a few shaky results. Um, moving on from the week just gone in terms of results, there have been a fair few changes over the last uh, over the last week or so for certain. I think I've got 10 written down in front of me here. Um, so, Gref, there's been a change in Cardiff. Do you want to give us a run-through on that? Yeah, Justin Farina, he's left for personal reasons. He left after the game on Sunday against Dundee. He seems to have gone home for personal reasons. As the, the press release says, it was, you got a life out of hockey, so he's, he's gone home. It's a big loss for the, the Devils. He was a, a really good player. He seemed to be a, a really big fan favourite after looking on or well, receiving a few texts from Cardiff fans and uh, looking on Twitter as well. There was a, a bit of a, a lot of disappointment down there, down in South Wales. Yeah, a disappointing player for them to lose. I mean, first season he played with them, he, he rocked up 33 points in 50 games. Um, but obviously, I mean, a couple of seasons previously in Dundee, uh, he played 93 games across two seasons in Dundee and put away 95 points. So that was, a, that was a total of 44 goals and 51 assists. So some serious stats for a player to, to be leaving on. Um, and I have, I've heard speculations that it may be injury-based. Um, it's never nice to see a guy leave. If, if that, you know, it's never like, nice to see a guy have to leave because of injuries. In fairness, as bad as it sounds, if it is injury-based, in certain ways, I guess that's more positive because when you hear personal reasons, you often kind of assume family problems and things like that. So, um, you know, the best of a bad bunch, I guess, if it is injury reasons. But either way, um, even from three Steelers fans and a Storm fan, you know, we wish him well. It's never nice to see a guy leave on personal reasons. Um, Dave, then we've got a change or two in Nottingham. Yeah, um, so Nottingham have released uh, Tyler Biggs and Tyler Van Cleef. Um, two guys, um, Biggs was kind of in his own element, was, was doing well into his stride, uh, and he's uh, left the Panthers. Um, bit of a surprise move, um, in all fairness. Van Cleef was brought in short term as an injury gap, um, showed himself good for the market, so you know, a good guess that someone will pick him up. Um, but uh, Chinamaz has uh, he's shown he's, he's not um, messing around, they had a bit of a, a dodgy run, uh, did the Panthers, so they've show, he's shown the ability he can make changes at, at, at will. Um, and as in fairness, it's shown with their. their recent upturning form so uh, surprising in one of them um, not so the other um, but again it shows that he's prepared to make changes as and when he see fits to improve his roster to try and keep in the title race yeah absolutely I mean in, in addition to losing Biggs and Van Cleef um, we've also then you know Nottingham have also added Dylan Richard um, seemed like a little bit of a, a strange chop and change um, I mean Richard doesn't necessarily boast the best stats um, not by any means bad, but I mean, he's a 25-year-old guy, um, centre or left winger. He's played a fair few years in the NCAA. 
um, and he's played 24 games at the start of the season in the Slovakian league, um, 10 points from 24 games. So, do you know, he's come in, he's played two games already, three points on the board, so certainly looking like he's going to be making a change in Nottingham. And as you say, Dave, um, their recent fixtures and results certainly showing that they seem to be a bit of on, on, on the upturn. So, yeah, my apologies there. Yeah, um, you know, they're a team that's... They, they, they are, their fan base are, are wanting another title. They, they waited that long for that league title um, and they've been close a couple of years since. They're in the race. Um, results have gone for them recently, especially over the last week or so. Um, so they need to make sure that they can keep on, on top of that race. Um, chain, if they, and if Shinamaz makes a change to help him do that, He's going to do that. He's going to have support from from the back office at Nottingham. You know they're known to, to support well the coaches in terms of any uh, personnel change. So you know who knows? Let's see. You know, like I said, three points in two games is a good start for him. You know, let's let's just see where it goes with him. Yeah, it's a very risky tactic, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 certainly a way to keep your players on the toes. I mean, it may be a case that they've signed a few players on shorter term contracts and have just not renewed them, or it may be a case that they're actually saying, Do you know what. We're going to uh, suspend and end your contract and, and, and bring somebody new in. It's, it's certainly a risky tactic. Um, I mean, in addition to obviously players building certain chemistry and players building certain systems between each other and getting to know how each other play, on top of that, you've got to think as well that certain players may be kind of questioning allegiances to a team that are chopping and changing players so much. But in fairness, it seems to be working for the Panthers at the moment. As I say, keeps the players on the toes. Keeps the players fighting for a spot. Um, certainly be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, Andy, no, sorry. I was just going to say, it, it does indeed. And one thing I've, I've noticed um, with a few clubs recently, that if, uh, a lot of the signings that's come into the Elite League recently has been very much, you know, a lot of college experience straight from. Um, a, a number of signings we've seen from the NCAA, it's, it's showing that what we've mentioned on a few podcasts before of moving to speed uh, and younger, quicker, hungry type players. So, you know, we've not seen him yet in Sheffield. We get to see him on the 27th. Um, you know, uh, you know, if he carries on that run of form with the points per game, should be a good player to watch. Yeah, certainly should be interesting to see them. It's almost like you're watching a new branded team every time they step on the ice in Sheffield because of the number of changes. But then I guess you could say the same as uh, outside fans watching the Steelers play. So, yeah, so Andy, we've had a bit of a goalie change round in Coventry as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yep, they've uh, released Mika Beekman uh, after playing 11 games for them uh, with uh, 4.2 goals against average and save percentage of 8.878. Uh, 8. um, it's not been very uh, kind to Beekman recently, of course, uh, with the uh, injuries that he's had in the past, past few seasons in the Elite League. Uh, but of course, this weekend was a collision uh, with um, a Guildford player uh, who was knocked into, into Beatman by one's own defenders. Uh, seemed to be okay. Uh, seems to keep playing on the members. Absolutely fine. But uh, since then, he's been released. Uh, so, yeah, it is a strange one. Uh, but they have, they have brought back uh, Miroslav Kapriva, who has basically stuck around uh, since he was released. Uh, for Beekman a few weeks ago. Uh, it's played 10 games for country season with 2.9 goals against and the same percentage of 9.05. Uh, so, yeah, uh, pretty much a goal he was obviously doing commentary before. 
worked with games from the season, so he's, he's got a good knowledge of the league. So maybe, that, maybe that's why they've uh, chosen him over maybe looking elsewhere uh, to bring a new goaltender in. Uh, but I'm sure Miroslav, uh, you know, he's done a good job for, for, for Coventry before uh, earlier this season, so uh, I think it was quite an obvious choice, even if it's just for now, uh, just to stick with Coventry. Yeah, I, I've got to say, in fairness, Capriva did impress me when he was playing for um, for Coventry. Obviously, when he stepped in for Mika, I can only assume that the reason that they've that they've released Mika is because of the injury front. And I know that he's. I mean, is it the last two or three seasons where he's he's had a hefty amount of time out? I mean, in fairness, to see a starting goalie play the last two seasons with forty games, it, it's it's rare. To be fair, obviously, we obviously as we've said we you know as a league as a whole. We don't tend to see the backups getting much game time. So to see Veetman having the last couple of years have 40 games on it rather than, you know, the, the general, particularly you know, the general higher numbers that you'd normally see, it does kind of it does kind of point us to potential reasons why. But Dave, what what, what do you think to Caprivo? Obviously, you're the goalie amongst us. What 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 do you reckon to him? No, he seemed to start well in Coventry. He's um, his style fitted in with the defence, which is kind of one of the key things. Um, so I mean, it's, it's kind of a bit of a devil you know um, apologies to the Cardiff fans so you know it's, it's a wise move um, from Danny Stewart he already knows and the thing is the best thing is he already knows what he's getting he could have gone on the market and got a different goalie from North America or from Europe without knowing he had to scout and, and everything else that he should, you do before signing him he knows what he's getting so it's a bit of a win-win situation he's available he's back uh, to full fitness he's ready to play it's a, it's a good smart move by Danny Stewart yeah, certainly a, a good piece to fit into the jigsaw, obviously taking Beatman out of the picture. Um, and then, Gref, we've got a swap round or a, or a chop and change in uh, in Milton Keynes. Do you want to take, tell us a little bit more about that one? Yeah, they've released Rihard Grigoros. He's looking at his stats this season. He doesn't look he's done that well for them. I mean, he did play for Edinburgh at one point as well. And then they've signed a new guy called Ivan Sijan. He's come from the EBEL, get my words out, from Zagreb. He's played in the Norwegian League as well, as well as Divisions 1 and 2 in Sweden. His stat-wise doesn't look amazing, but who knows what he can do over here. When he, as some players can in some leagues not be that great and they come over here and they're putting up the points <laughs> hopefully he can help them get out of the, the rut they're in which will they now come out of it with the win obviously against Arm and Parker for us and then they can probably carry on for the season I still don't think they'll probably get into the playoffs for Parker for NBA fans because they are even now I love them yeah, it's um, again another tactical chop and change. I think, in, in fairness, Grigors didn't look necessarily, as you say, like like the best player, like he was producing much. Um, I mean, in fairness, he is a demon, but when you look at his stats, seventeen games, one point, uh, one point, um, forty-eight games last season for Edinburgh, three points. So you know, yes, he's a demon. Yes, you expect his production to be lower than your forwards, but. Andy, I mean, you see Demon, you're still expecting to be putting up more than three points in 48 games or one point in 17. 
yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's not been a great season for him. Uh, it was same story in, in Edinburgh for the past couple of seasons. Uh, definitely done better. He, he played 48 games for Edinburgh last season, and only ended up with three assists. And then the uh, season before in Edinburgh, 24 games, only two assists. So, yeah, he's, he's not the best player uh, as far as the past couple of years go. Maybe uh, he's just lost that sort of uh, edge that maybe he wants that when he was a bit younger. Um, but yeah, there's definitely better players out there, uh, and um, it was a great signing by uh, K to get Sian in. Yeah, I, I agree with you. To be honest, since um, I know you said earlier on, since um, MK obviously lost the coach, they seem to they seem to be making a few decent moves, a few decent signings, and, and seems to be pulling some decent results out of the bag. So hopefully, this this chop and change can can give them a, a little bit more of a push. Um, moving away from MK and back to Coventry, um, Coventry have had another departure. Kellen Ainsworth, uh, the centre slash winger that played for Coventry and obviously was signed at the start of the year. Uh, he's played 22 games for them with 18 points this year, so a decent point production. Um, he has left and he's going to Alborg Pirates in the Danish league. Dave, what, what do we think to that in fairness? I mean, Danish league maybe a bit more of a sidestep than a step up or step down I'd go sidestep I mean it was a strange one that they, it was announced straight away along with Coventry um, that he'd signed for Alborg um, but you know it's, it's the, the, the opportunity that it gives him I mean Alborg's one of the, the top franchises in Denmark uh, so if he can stick it around do the same job that he was doing in Coventry you, you know when they go far in their playoffs um, you know, who knows? Continental Cup at Seattle place gives another shot window further down the line for him. So, I mean, disappointing for commentary because, he, like you said, he was doing well on the points uh, from. But for him, it's it's, it's, it's sideward for now, but potential to give him some good opportunities to further his career. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if commentary can make the... Um the replacements needed for that. I know that somebody said, obviously they, they also announced that, that Beatman was leaving. I think that was slightly shadowed at first. They just kind of said he was leaving and then later released the, re the press release saying that he'd been released. But I, I know that a couple of people were speculating, saying that, that they hope that they're not in money trouble. Um, in fairness, bringing in Capriva again maybe doesn't suggest that, but they're going to need to bring in a big signing to replace Ainsworth for definite. Yeah, I mean, he'll free up some budget as well. So it's going to give Danny Stewart, and he'll test his contacts, he'll test his his knowledge of the market. Um, and he's picked a couple of good players um, in his time as a coach. So let's see what he brings in to replace him with. Hi, absolutely. Um, moving from Coventry um, over to, to Greff's home team, because uh, if anybody didn't know, Greff is a Manchester fan. Um, obviously last week we recorded episode 12 on a Tuesday and on the Wednesday Greff Manchester made a signing we did indeed we announced the signing of Chance Braid he's just signed from the Czech 2 league and before then he was playing in the U Sports league as a lot of players seem to be playing in nowadays that we come into the elite league and before that, he was playing the East Coast and the then the WHL, so the, the major junior league over in Canada. Whilst he was over there, he played with a former, well, 
a, a teammate who, who was former with Ben, it's Riley Stado. So them two got reacquainted again. And from the, the, the games I've seen him play so far, he's done pretty well. He's thrown big hits around, he even scored on his debut. He's doing well for so far. Yeah, he certainly looks to be a bit of a wait-and-see signing. We've always said that the junior stats can be quite difficult to read. Um, but, you know, in, in fairness, as you say, if he's coming in strong, scoring on his debut, um, let's see how he fits. It all depends on how he fits with his teammates and how he fits into the league. So, again, as I say, a wait-and-see signing on that one. Um, but speaking about scoring on your debut... Brendan Brooks has had a few changes around this season. Obviously came into Sheffield, scored on his debut against Manchester, who was the team that he was to leave Sheffield to go and play for. And Manchester have now announced that Brendan Brooks will be leaving them. Um, stats, not the best-looking stats I've seen, and certainly not the best-looking stats on, on his CV. Um, actually had 11 games and 5 points, uh, scored 0 goals. So an interesting stat from that one is Brooks actually scored more goals against Manchester this year than he scored for them, which is quite impressive to say that he only played one game against them for Sheffield or two games against them. So, um, yeah, Gref, I, I'll, I'll ask you first and then throw it out to the others, obviously, as the Storm fan. What was your take on that? It seemed to be a... You could probably see it coming based on his stats. Uh, it, was more, it was actually more of a shock. Uh, from a, a Storm fan perspective, I thought there was a fair, there was a good amount of players that could have been chopped after the, after Tuesday's game. He was one of that was, he was always energetic. He was always skating hard for the puck, so it was a bit of a shock. During the last few games, he was he was battling and just, he, was, he was playing unbelievable. He was, so, he was one of our best players in most of the games. Kind of a shocker, but as you mentioned, he's not really scored goals, and that was pretty much what he's been brought in to do. Yeah, um, I mean, in fairness, I, I said this to you guys before we started recording. One of the things that I can see happening is I, I can see him getting snapped up by a team like Milton Keynes. Andy, you, you seem to agree with me on that. What, what do you can you see him going to another elite league team? I mean, with a guy Brooks's age as well. I mean, he's he's th he's. He's 40 years old now. For a guy that's played two for two EIHL teams already this season, maybe not looking too great for his career. Can you see him going to a third elite league team, or do you think he'll branch out? Uh, honestly, I don't think I can. He's already been with uh, Glasgow when they were bright heads. Uh, five, obviously, obviously Sheffield and Man now Manchester. Um, so I don't think he will uh, be able to sign another team in the, in the elite league. I mean. His, his dream of wanting to be in a GB team again seems like it probably won't happen. Uh, but yeah, he is getting on, he's 38 years old. Uh, oh, I should say 40 years old. So yeah, he, he is getting to that point in, the, in, in his career where you know he, he is getting older. Maybe he's starting to feel the effects of that and it's wearing up on his uh, game performance a bit. But even though five points in 11 isn't bad, uh, it's still not great. And... Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens next, whether he retires or does get an offer from the team or elsewhere. It'd be interesting, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah, Dave, do you think it knocks on, on a player's point production uh, in terms of the moving round? Obviously, we said about Nottingham earlier and uh, 
the fact that it can be a bit of a risky tactic chopping and changing your players because of the lack of chemistry and the lack of getting to know who you're playing with. Do you think that has that's had like that kind of the flip side effect? Obviously, he's been the player that's changing round. Do you think that's been one of the reasons for his lack of production this year? I suppose it's down to to the character of the person. Um, you know, if you look at sort of player movements in North America, for example, there's a lot of players can be changing week after week in terms of moving up their the farm system of the team that they're in. So I suppose it, it all boils down to the character of the person. Now, like Andy mentioned, he's, he's not getting any younger, um, and he'll want to be on that plane to Kasichi next May. Um, I I think he'll be in the Elite League. Um, I think Milton Keynes would be a good shout. I, I just... Looking at the way they've, they've turned things a little bit with Wallace uh, and the other guy that I apologise, I can't remember his name, and um, there's just a little bit of a good vibe around them at the moment, and I think that he'd probably be a good fit for them, um, just to stop gap. And if they can't find anybody, he'll do well for them for the rest of the season and give him a, a push to for Milton Keynes to make the postseason, but also him to be a good shout for Pete Russell um, and the, the final roster that goes out to World Championships. Yeah, for me, he'd almost fit in as a player to not a like for like per se, but a, a player in terms of point production that could fit into a to replace Neely because they don't appear to really have made a signing to to fill that gap yet. And in fairness, Brooks seems to be a bit of an easy signing that could maybe that could maybe do that. But in fairness, I mean, the Steelers were criticised. Um, I don't know whether that was particularly by the people that were um, actively against Paul Thompson I don't know I know that when, when Brooks was signed people, was there? I know it's surprising isn't it no but when Brooks was signed I know that a lot of people were criticising it and saying it was a lazy signing in fairness with the CV and with his stats I didn't think so I, I did wonder if that was because certain people had more of a hatred against Tomo than the actual signing but you know it, it maybe seemed to be a bit more of a lazy signing for MK now because he's obviously he's been within the league twice and, and chopping and changing around but but also sometimes certain signings are just easy to make. Um, I mean, you, you can you look long term, and like we said about the goal, is search round. Um, one thing to know is that this country holds his ITC card. So Milan Keynes can go go through the rigmarole of applying for the ITC card to get it all done. We this country already holds it. So it's a case of they can make an arrangement with uh, with Brendan Brooks to sign for him. The card's already there, done dusted, he's in their roster straight away. No messing, done dusted. It's them, they're the type of signs that makes it easy for them if they need a, a, a gap to fill. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, it's, a lot of people did say it was a lazy sign when Sheffield signed him. It, it's, it's easy to say, but there's, you know, certain signs, there's a lot of factors go behind it. If Milton Keynes were to sign Brooks, I think it would be, it would be easy, it makes sense. And also, what we don't know, and none of the fans will know, is the contacts that the coaches have. We, no one knows what their, you know, I mean, I know Wallace has had a good NHL career in that, but no one knows the extent of their contacts. So if they're able to get someone who knows the league, help them out, I think it'd work for Milton Keynes in mind. More of an easy signing than a lazy signing, I, I'd say, would probably be the best way to, yeah. to describe it. Um, moving on from the changes, we've finally got his way through that list of 10 players. Um, on to a particular highlight probably for all four of us to an extent over the weekend just gone was the, was the Belfast doubleheader. I feel like you don't get doubleheaders that often in the league, particularly not against two, I, I say top teams loosely now, obviously statistically maybe Steelers aren't one of the top teams at the moment, but in fairness with the form that they've been on, um, you know, it, it is a bit of a rarity to see two teams like that go out at a doubleheader. Um, 
what did we think, guys? Because in fairness, we were all there for the Saturday for certain, and then obviously Dave, yourself, and and Andy, and myself were there on the Sunday as well. What what did we think to those two games? I mean, first of all, I do want to mention that the Belfast fans in general. Um, they were fan- for me. They were fantastic. I know some people took some umbrage in some of the comments made, um, but I thought in general they were fantastic. They brought a number of uh, number of their fans over. Um, a little bit of a shout out to one of our listeners, Joe Sheeran, who. Uh, came over and wanted to listen to the podcast um, so good to meet some people that actually do listen to the podcast and not just us um, but no, I, I thought their fans were great and I thought it adds to the weekend, it adds to the atmosphere and I think it also brought the home fans into it, um, a lot of people like to take the mix in, it's a bit of a library at the arena, I didn't think it was that much of a library at all across the weekend so what them fans bring in the atmosphere for the Belfast Giants brought it out, the Sheffield fans it made a great spectacle I, like I said to you earlier on, I, I enjoyed it. Anybody else who watched the games, hopefully will have enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I, th- I agree with that one. I, as a neutral, I enjoyed the start of the game pretty well. I mean, obviously, I was just cheering on for pretty much Swindlehurst, being a Manchester-born and bred guy. But, you know, obviously, I had to show some love for the Mank. And Davy yeah. Phillips as well, obviously the ex-Storm player that you love. We all go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, for me, that yeah, was a really good game to watch. I mean, I, I know I spent like the last ten minutes of the game with Joe in my ear going, "My prediction's not coming true. My prediction's not coming true." Not and on the Saturday, though. The sat, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that was the best thing because it was because it went down to one goal. And um, there was what it was just looking unlikely that an empty net goal was going to come come through, and, and Greff was sat in front of me literally for the last five minutes of the game. I, I think I was more interested in Belfast scoring an empty net goal than I was the Steelers equalising. I was just sat there going, "Come on, come on, my prediction, get one more, get one more." So yeah. Now, what did you think, Andy? Obviously, you were there as well for the two games. It was two really great games. I mean, uh, as far as arena, arena and library concerned, there were 7,000 people in that arena on Saturday. Because everyone wants to see the, top, the two top teams clash. And it was a great weekend to, to see Belfast in, in both those games. Uh, both teams played incredibly well. Uh, I think it could have gone either way uh, on on both days. Uh, Saturday especially, I, I think Sheffield uh, were, a bit, were a bit better in that first period. Maybe we could have won that one. Uh, as, as Brasso said, but uh, no, two really good games and uh, a great advert for, for the league as well. Very much so. But one thing I do want to mention straight up, both praise for the Steelers and the Giants, is Sunday before the game actually played. Um, for those who haven't seen on social media, a little boy called Aiden um, was taken to centre ice to uh, to ring the bell. Which unfortunately he, he's been battling cancer, but this was a you beat cancer. Um, and I'm, there were a dry eye in the house, everywhere I looked around. They, they were men, women and children, there were tears. It was just a wonderful moment. It brought a really good atmosphere. And what a moment it would have been for Little Aiden to uh, to celebrate that wonderful victory um, of a sport that he's uh, looking like he's going to uh, be in love with. Yeah, Dave, yourself and, uh, and myself, we were walking, I, I think, if memory serves me right, we, we were both walking up the stairs at the point that that happened up to the block because we'd been getting a drink from the bar, surprise, surprise. And now uh, I think we both looked at each other and looked out at the block and you, you could see as you walked up the stairs, I mean, we sit right at the back of the block so we had to go all the way up to the top and you could see 
the emotion across all the blocks as, as we walked up those stairs you could really see and the the, the noise that was coming from the, the entire arena it was it was outstanding now where it's uh sometimes hockey has that ability just to create moments where you, you just go back and go that's just well done and and sunday before the game was that so to everyone who organized that tip your cap off they've done well and but what i put on social media you know well done to the main mvp on that day was aiden so uh, you know just just a, for me it was a great way to start sunday's proceeding yeah absolutely um, sticking on with Sunday, going back to the games, Dave, we um, we actually met up with a couple of of, of, of the of you from the Bridge guys uh, to do an interview. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? We did, yeah. Um, as uh, they are, if you haven't listened to the podcast, we'll give them a little shout out. They are uh, the official one of the Belfast Giants, but they do talk about other bits of Aussie League. League. Um, and we caught up with uh, Patrick Smith and Joel Neal for a little bit of talk about Belfast and how their season has gone on. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll jump to the interview now. Um, a couple of disclaimers before we do. A, we do have to apologise. It was done in the smoking area at the arena because it was the quietest place that we could go. Uh, that being said, there were a couple of kids running around and shouting at the top of their voices, so we do apologise for a bit of background noise here and there. Uh, and B, that we did have a bit of a technical issue. We've never done an interview like that, <laughs> done recorded on one device. Um, away from a computer uh, there was a bit of a technical issue so there may be a little bit of a jump in the interview where because uh, we had to do two recordings so apologies if there is that jump but we'll throw it over to that interview now thank you very much to the, uh, to the guys from a view from the bridge for that because it was uh, it was good to get catch up with them and, uh, and get their thoughts uh, so we'll throw it over to the interview so um a bit of a different fit for the um, my fancy zamboni podcast we are lucky to have the best two of a view from the bridge <laughs> that's true um however simon and uh, david weren't available so we've got uh, <laughs> um we're delighted to have uh, joe neil and paddy smith good evening gentlemen hey boys how you doing, man? girl how we doing <laughs> so okay at the moment it's um steals a 4-1 up against the giants but overall it's, it's been a cracker weekend of hockey you know you have to have that. i said it last night um it was enjoyable to come over and get the win in the fashion that we did it. Obviously, there's an added narrative with a couple of former players. That's always pantomime and theatrics. Um, but you need to tip your cap to two teams here, just a match for each other this weekend. They're both playing fantastic hockey. Um, and you see it again tonight. You know, we saw it for the first time in the second period last night. Steelers are incredible on the break, so, so fast, um, putting up consistent pressure against the Giants. And Paddy was saying just before we come out there, it maybe looks like the Giants were a little tired. Yeah, definitely. I think it looks like we're absolutely gassed out there. You can see it when the guys came out for the second period. Heads were down, shoulders were down. Yeah. They looked like they were knackered despite having 20 minutes in the locker room. And so it transpired. You can see the loose pucks, loose plays, guys not really getting back checking, just nothing in front of net, no presence in front of net, putting nothing on Jackson Russell of any note. Couple of, couple of decent shots that Whistle's dealt with, but nothing of any note where we thought where we thought we'd put on. I think we had five shots in that first period. It's not the Belfast Giants at the minute. But overall these two games, I mean first of all, wonderful attendance from the Belfast fans. They really have bought into the double header and they have brought the noise, uh, certainly. Yeah, um, I, I have a little emotion in my voice today, as you might be able to hear, but um, I think last season our schedule was tricky. We didn't get any doubleheader away weekends, and um, so I think whenever the, the schedule came out this year, everyone circled Sheffield away. 
it's always a tilt between these two teams, regardless of form and regardless of where you are in the table. And you know, it's always going to be a little, little spicier. Not at all. So you mentioned uh, the European games. I mean, first of all, congratulations on making the uh, the Super Final and hosting it. Um, <laughs> I don't even have it. Yeah, they're Let's just go. they're just a high five. Um, but no, it's. Without winning the league, it's, it's going to be a great opportunity for our guys not only to get some silverware, but also a route into the CHL. Absolutely. Um, it's still a big ask for the EHL in the CHL, but there have been scalps taken over the past couple of years. Um, the, you know, our guys, I think I think the, the quality of hockey, the quality of import that we're bringing in is improving year on year. Um, the Giants this year have a lot of guys straight out of the college system in North America and in Canada, um, and it's really their first taste of international and European hockey. Um, interesting to see how they respond. Um, I, I think we have a chance with the Continental Cup. I definitely want another go at Katowice. Um, that, that last game... Yeah. The, the previous weekend, we it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way, and you talk, you might talk to a few people and say it was a, it was it was a, it was a a result that benefited the Belfast Giants in the way that we now get the host. Yeah, because had had we had they had we won that game, then we would probably go into Zagreb. So, because they would have went through, and therefore they probably would have hosted. So it benefited the Belfast Giants to lose that. I'm not saying that we lost it on purpose. <laughs> I am not saying that. All part of the plan, boys. But but yeah, it's it it is great. It is a route into the CHL. Primarily, the route to CHL, mate, as you know, is winning the league. That's that's the primary goal. Yeah. That it would be a bonus if were we not to win the league that we did win the Continental yeah, Cup definitely. and we got in the CHL that way. And maybe this time we'll actually enter it. We. We, uh, we, we we qualified to the CHL once before, and we turned it down. And Nottingham took it, you know. So yes. maybe will we go? Will we go after it? We'll see. We might not. Who knows? We might turn it down again. <laughs> It'd be interesting. But I'm going to the hosting that because, as franchises go, with everything that surrounds a Belfast sporting team, yeah. yeah, a unique franchise. But over the past three or four years, the that kind of the face off ice of the Giants franchise has really exploded in terms of popularity. Mm. Hosting the big events like the Friendship Four. The World Championships, World World Championships. Championships and two Cup rounds. I mean, what do you put that down to? Because Belfast has always been a very interesting friend. They've always, you know, approached it very much. Everyone's equal, but over the past few years, it really has kind of blown into. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Facility ambition. We have we have facility to host these sort of things, and we have in the likes of the Odyssey Trust guys with the ambition and the drive, and the chance, the ambition, the drive to go after them. You know, they, they don't just want to have the Belfast Giants, they want to actually showcase a lot of other stuff and they go after like so Robert and Steve and always go after these things and why not? And as you mentioned there's there's you know that unique aspect to the Giants where they, they were created of out of the need for kind of social intervention in people's lives and Robert Fitzpatrick will be the first to tell you that uh, hockey he considers to be becoming a mainstream sport in Northern Ireland and, and it has a wonderful potential to socially intervene in young people in Northern Ireland who may be going a different path, who may need to see a different kind of life um, so all of those events and, and everything that goes on is sort of supplementary to that. Um, there are issues in Belfast. You know, we, we, I was over in Ice Sheffield uh, today. Couldn't believe that, you know, the two pads that you have right beside the barn here. Nottingham also have the same. We are uh, so, so devoid of facilities in all Ireland. The only public rink in all Ireland is in Dundonald. Um, so... There's a huge piece there around local guys training and developmental uh, sort of hockey in, in Northern Ireland, but um, the, the the big events are important and they're great and they're all part of the, the kind of bigger picture. Yeah. But there's a lot of work to do in terms of uh, growing the game at home, grassroots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that came out of your interview with Fitzpatrick is um, 
trying to get one of the NHL teams to come over for the yeah. 20th anniversary yeah. of the uh, yeah. opening. I so mean, I remember the, the Boston Bruin game, and that was a great spectacle across the board, both mm-hmm. on and off the ice. I mean, that would be just as good, if not probably better. A big, it would be a big shout for that to come over, and I really hope that it happens. And yeah, we remember that game against Boston, what a great night that was. Uh, I love Robert's ambition. I really do, yeah. and I really hope he gets it. It's going to be a big ask, but I really hope he gets it. Okay, and we'll, we'll end it because the well, the sounds like the uh, both teams are coming back on after the third period. We have to go back. <laughs> well, Let's we, go to the Wentworth boys. We'll come back and watch it. After the Wednesday, let's go. But you know, let's just say the result sounds like ours. Going into sort of the Christmas period, it's a big month for the Giants, really to to put a mark on the league, saying it's not just going to be a Cardiff three peat. Yeah, I think the Giants, okay, let's take this as the way it is, but I think going forward, the Giants really, really have to, to show, just put the foot on throat, show ambition, go after this, go after Cardiff in a couple of weeks' time, go after each team that come into our barn, because we now have a home stretch in the new year that is unprecedented in any team in this league. So the ball, if we come out, if the, if we turn of the year, we're still top of the league, the ball is in, certainly in our court to go after this after this title. It's probably the first time in a few years that we've properly smelled blood as well. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like there are chinks in the armour of Cardiff. I think there are ways to beat them. Um, and yourselves, I mean, uh, Sheffield are definitely not done. Nottingham Panthers have a quality team and a quality new coach. Um, the league is blown wide open this year, uh, and I think it's going to go a lot more to the wire than previous years. No, well, first of all, thank you very much for, for spending the time. Um, we're over in January, so hopefully see you guys uh, Look in Belfast. Cheers, Cheers. Cheers. So just going back from that interview again, uh, a big thank you to Joel and Patrick for that. Uh, Joel's voice certainly taking the after effects of the first day of the double header there. Uh, but thank you very much to both of them for going with that, Dave. It was it was a, it was a good interview, wasn't it? It was a, it was good to catch up with them and get their get their thoughts on the games and and the general goings on across the league over this year it was it did and, and you know these are the two people who've watched the game for a long time they know the stuff so I mean I, I know I've known Patrick for many years um, and Joel through for the All-Star so it was, it was a good um, good camaraderie for the interview and good inf- information I mean they, do, they did a lot of work on the recent uh, Friendship Falls so uh, Joel did an interview with the, um, the CEO of the Odyssey Trust um, mentioned, and he was mentioning in that interview about and then trying to get an NHL team across to the the SSC Arena uh, for their 20th anniversary. Their plans to try and get another rink to help the growth of the game um, in Northern Ireland. Um, and it was also good to talk to two people, like the question I put out about the dynamics of the Belfast franchise. Because of all the socioeconomic things that makes up a Belfast franchise, it's not the same as a Sheffield, Nottingham and Manchester for obvious reasons so it was, it was good to, to to see that franchise it is good to see that franchise just really grow and be one of in this country one of the leaders uh, on the world stage you see the number of um, gigs they're getting um, for the double IHF events the NHL uh, nine years ago so you know it's good to see that and it's good to see how and why it's growing into the franchise that it currently is now yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy, what, one of the things that Joel touched on in the interview was about the, the lack of public skating rinks in in Ireland as a whole. Do, do we think that's one of the things that makes Belfast such a special franchise as a team? Because in fairness, across the rest of the Elite League, one of the things that we like to take pride in as teams is that homegrown talent. You like to see those, those local lads come in and play in for their, their home team. And in fairness, in Belfast, it's not something that you see a lot of because of that lack of rink availability and that lack of ice time. 
Exactly. I mean, I, I think the only other rain, the only other rain in uh, Belfast is in Dundonald, which I believe is a uh, quite a few miles from the city centre. So you can imagine that would be pretty hard to get to for probably quite a lot of people. Uh, it might be the best facility. I know the Giants train there to run down the when the when the at the, the uh, SSA Arena. But yeah, it's something they need definitely to renew. Like uh, maybe they need to do some innovations to the current one, or perhaps maybe try and find a, a different location for it to be. Uh, but yeah, it, it would be great to see Hongkong Town, especially in Belfast, where you know it's it's still quite a popular sport because of, I don't believe there's really a football team in Belfast but um, yeah it, it's definitely sport that's on the up and I think you know maybe in a few years uh, even better to see some, some homegrown lads play for homegrown team yeah it'll certainly be nice to see um, one of the other things in fairness that, that was mentioned was the reason that, that Belfast are drawing the attention for things like um, you know, hosting the, the Continental Cup, hosting the, the the Friendship Force tournament, and things like that. One of the reasons that um, that was that were pulled out for that was um, was ambition and the facilities. Um, and in fairness, I mean the facilities that they've got in Belfast. Maybe they don't have the, uh, the you know the local rinks and the skating rinks for everybody to to uh, develop the skate the skating skills on to develop their skating skills. Sorry, if I put my teeth back in. Um, but they certainly have a good facility in the SSE arena. No, they do indeed. And like I say, with the, the events they host, they get marked quite highly um, in terms of their facilities and the way they run the, the events. Um, and, and just to kind of emphasise the point what Andy's making, I think one of the things that makes the Giants special is a lot of the sport in Belfast, it's very religious. Um, if you're of a certain religion, you will follow a certain team. And Belfast was straight from the off. No colours. We are all one. We're very, it's a united Belfast. And that has grabbed the imagination of, of the Belfast public. Um, and that, that kind of spirit has, has kept them going. I mean, I know a number of them keep saying or keep raising the point that a, a local journey said it wouldn't last. It'll be a fad for a couple of years. And now they're, they're coming up to, you know, they're on the rise of the 20th anniversary of the arena and the team. So yeah, it's, it's a franchise, like I said. I mean, we've... Myself, Joe, uh, and we've been a number of times. It's it's a great facility. The fans are brilliant. They're great hosts. Um, never a dull weekend in Belfast. It's always fun. Um, you know, as, as long as it, with the franchise brand, long may it continue. Yeah, and it's a facility that we that Dave, yourself, myself, and uh, and Andy will be able to test again in January coming up. Hopefully we can uh, we can catch up with with Joel and Patrick, or maybe a couple of the other view from the bridge guys while we're there. Um, but yeah, uh, it, you know it's always a it's always a great place to go, and I, I always remember even as a kid, I remember the, uh, the these are my colours video that they used to do in lieu of the um, the national anthem, and that it, I don't know why for such a simple thing, but it was such a powerful thing to start the game because it really did show the unity of the team, and um, you know regardless of what's going on outside of the ice hockey, we're a team. These are the colours that we wear, and this is the sport that we support, and it it was quite a powerful thing to start the game with. Um, one of the things that you touched on, Dave, obviously one of the things that was mentioned in the interview was the NHL game. Um, and there's been some pretty significant news in the NHL as well. Greff, do you want to go over the, the news in the NHL? Yeah, it, it got announced a few days ago that Seattle are getting a team. I mean, that's going to, hopefully they can do another a Vegas in that first inaugural season, but... Who knows? It's 
Hockey can be a strange world when it comes to games. You can see teams from the very bottom beating the teams from the very top. It should hopefully be a great turnout for our city itself. I mean, they've got a, an NFL team there. I'm not a big fan of them, but that's just because I don't support them. But they've got, like, their fan base there is huge. <laughs> and they, it should hopefully turn the hockey team into a, a huge fan base as well. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're probably going to look forward to going over there next in the expansion draft. I mean, we're there for Vegas. Yeah, that was a happy accident, to be fair, going to Vegas. But I have to say, after going to the expansion yeah, draft yeah. there, um, it was, I promise. Uh, no, Keep I, after, all going. after going to the expansion draft there, I, it is something that I would absolutely recommend to, to anybody um, that's thinking about going out for that. It was a fantastic week. Well, in fairness, we were in Vegas for two weeks, but it was a fantastic evening um, and day. Um, probably a little bit better being in Seattle rather than being in Vegas because we were stood outside in 45 degree heat for most of the day for the Vegas one. So it might be a little nicer for it to be a little bit, um, I don't know if cold is the operative term to use, but a little bit less warm, shall we say. Um, but yeah, absolutely something that should be there. But I mean, Dave, Andy, what, what do you guys think? I mean, it's been a bit interesting seeing an odd number of teams, something that we've seen in the Elite League and something that we've seen in the NHL this year. So it'd be nice to, to round that off and have, have an even number again. It will, yeah. I mean, Seattle used to be um, um, a team in the top league. I believe years and years and years ago they have won the Stanley Cup before in previous reincarnations. Uh, they have had a junior team, I believe, in the WHL, um, which um, my own team's uh, Matt Basel played for. Um, so they've got a hockey pedigree. Um, let's be fair, the NHL did well with Vegas. They made sure they got the, uh, the promotion right, they got everything on point, and it's been a success. Um, I can't see it being anything less. Um, but 32 teams makes it a lot easier, makes the divisions easier, which makes things a bit more smoother. Um, I believe, I think it's Phoenix that move the divisions to make it aligned. Um, but yeah, two, two or three years time, we, we get to number 32 in the NHL. Let me just add before we, we carry on, I'll throw the same question over to Andy in a second. But uh, one thing I love about recording this podcast is we do it on video link and whenever anybody asks it like says something in a slightly questionable tone as in to say I believe that such and such played in such and such the, the, the rest of the people on the podcast that now just nod very approvingly which is as somebody who's sat there having no idea and not saying anything about it it's just quite amusing to watch um, because as Dave said that then I just watched Andy and Gref both give a very approving satisfactory nod as they've uh, questioned, questioned a few things there thank you gentlemen <laughs> um, yeah, Andy, I'll ask the same question to you. What, are you excited for the new franchise? It's always good to have a new team in uh, in the league. Yeah, it, it is, yeah. And uh, it'd be interesting to see what sort of team men come with Seattle, whether it be Seattle Spinning Restaurant or, or Space Needle, whatever it is. <laughs> it'd be funny to see what sort of name they come up with there. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be Seattle Super have... Troopers. <laughs> it'd be good to have, uh, have it even again with 32. Um, from the plans that the uh, the since renovating the current arena in Seattle, so and in and from the artist's impression, it looks like it's going to be a really really uh, huge building. Uh, so hopefully, there'll be a lot of atmosphere there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's um, I have heard 
quite a few people are saying that it, it's a bit unfair to have uh, Quebec again overlooked to get an NHL team back there. So, what's your thoughts on that, guys? It'd be nice to have Quebec back, but it's it, the games. It's, yeah, they, they follow the money. They follow the dollar. Uh, and Seattle will probably bring in the league more dollar than Quebec, US or Canadian dollar. May I just hastily uh, point out that I don't think that's what it is. You know, Quebec has a history, so does Seattle, but I suspect Seattle will bring in more money than Quebec would. Don't know what Joe and Greg think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It comes back down to the same kind of arguments that that people have about the way that certain things are running the elite league and, and certain questions that are being asked people ask questions of oh why is this game being picked on this day or oh, money means more than fans well not in, not entirely but what people have to appreciate is whether it's an elite league team or whether it's the NHL as a league it's a business and you know whichever one is going to bring in more money is the option that's going to be gone with would it be nice to see a team in Quebec absolutely I'd, I'd love to see a team head back to Quebec but you know, if Seattle are going to be bringing in more money, then, you know, so be it. And in fairness, I, I, I'd like to see a team in Quebec anyway, because Quebec's one of the one of the ones on my bucket list to go and visit. So it'd give me a second reason to go there. But Seattle, you know, we can add that to the destination list. That's not a problem. <laughs> I think uh, with Quebec, there probably will be a team there, but I think that won't come for another, like, five to ten years. They are following the money straight away, which is fine with the NHL because it is a business and they will make a lot of money in Seattle than they would do in Quebec. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that you've got to think about in the NHL as well is these the kind of franchise players that they're going to be looking at. Um, I guess as, as well, I, I think... I mean, speaking from my own point of view, looking at the teams, Quebec was a very, it's it's quite a, it's quite a standout team that you think about when you know when you think about the NHL. The Nordiques may have been one of the one of the older retro teams that you think about, whereas you know you don't necessarily think about a team back in Seattle. So it's quite difficult as well to 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 bring back the image of the Nordiques. I mean you think about the Nordiques, you might be thinking about some some of the older players that played from when when they last had quite a big image in the NHL. So to bring them back in an expansion draft style like they did with Vegas, it'd be a lot more difficult for them to build that identity again because they're not gonna have those standout players. I think it was the same problem that the Winnipeg Jets had when the Atlanta franchise moved over to Winnipeg and all the, the, the memories and everything of the whiteout um in Winnipeg. Uh, and it took them a while to re-establish themselves. And, you know, does the NHL want a team to take its time to establish itself again or from scratch? I, probably not. Um, I suspect they probably would do the same in, within three or four years. Um, if, if they call themselves anything other than the Nordiques, it'd be a crime. Uh, it would take them, you know, the time to, to get back into it. So I, I suppose that's kind of... They saw what happened in Winnipeg. In the current climate where... You know, money talks. Would they want to do that again? Probably not. Not just yet, anyway. It's certainly uh, give it a bit of time first and um, see how Seattle grows as a franchise. And in fairness, see how Vegas grows as a franchise as well. I mean, they, you know, they, they've only had a season. They did well in the first season, and in fairness, they've had a bit of a s slow start, but they're getting back into their stride again this season. But, you know, it's early doors for them as well. So see how the new franchises build before we start looking to bring back Quebec. Um, 
that's my opinion anyway. Um, bringing it back to a more domestic yet keeping the international tone, Dave. I mean, you're you're, you're the guy that I go to with this mainly because it involves a team that I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> GB have announced a few games that they're going to be playing, like exhibition games or challenge games. I think was the way that they phrased it in the in the press release. Indeed, so, so GB in their preparation for the, the World Championships are going to be playing five games uh, over the period between February and April, uh, all at home uh, in different venues. Um, teams will include two KHL teams, Dianamo Riga and Torpedo Nizhny Novgorod uh, are coming over. I'll give you a um, 7 out of 10 for that, mate, 7 out of 10. <laughs> Um, so two KHL franchises are coming over. Uh, Riga are coming over in February. I believe it's February the 6th, I want to say. Uh, Torpedo, and that game's in Coventry. Uh, Torpedo um, are end of April. Uh, we're playing Nottingham and Sheffield. They're also playing Italy and Hungary in a challenge tri-nations type thing. And... That's also held in commentary, and I believe Milan Keynes may actually have one of the games. So they've got five games in preparation at home. Uh, there's rumours of uh, GB going away just before the World Transfer Mini Training Camp and another friendly or two to hone in, um, you know, everything that people still will be wanting to do to try and perform yet another miracle in keeping GB in play. I think I'm right in saying that. Uh, also, Italy, Hungary coming over there. Every game. Yeah, they're, they're the Tri Nations in Italy, Hungary. Um, you know, GB Hungary will bring back memories of uh, the the crazy 15 seconds when Farmer sent us all very happy. Um, but you know, Italy also Pool A nation would be good to uh, uh, pit his wits against. Um, if I'm honest, I think it's good. The, the teams are decent. You know, the KHL will arguably the second best league in the world. So it's not like we've brought. You know, a Serie A team or a Lieg Magnus team from France. We've brought decent teams over um, with players of a Pool A standard. So I think it's going to be a good test for GB. Um, and I don't think results will care. It's all performance because people will still be looking at all these options and seeing which ones make the list. But don't we need to build confidence in the pre-season games? <sighs> it depends on your outlook on it, mate. It's... Uh, for me personally, it's all performance, all the coach trying and testing all his methods and, and combinations. It's going to be one of the difficult choices people still have to make to, to name that full roster before going out to Kasichi. So these five games announced, and I believe, like I said, there's rooms of more games, will give him ample opportunity to um, seize the team right in his eyes um, for the big test ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I agree in fairness. I'm only being facetious, but um, yeah. It's I not like you, Jim. I, I was just going to say, I know it's not like me. Um, <laughs> I, I've got to say, from a spectator's point, I mean, from a, from a perspective of the games, the practice, the experience for the players and the build-up, absolutely perfect. Don't think we could have done any better um, than we have, in fairness, for those games. In fairness, should get a bit of confidence um, if the results go our way for... Um, just like to say as well, Dave, Penguins have just scored against the Islanders, so we're just beating you guys 1-0. I've just seen, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, 
No, I think in terms of the games against Hungary and Italy, in fairness, if, if the games go the same way that they went, obviously in Budapest, should get us a bit of confidence, should get us on his goal-scoring edge a little bit. Um, and then we go up against the likes of, as you say, Torpedo and Riga um, for two very, very good challenging games. I think also in terms of the, res- the results side of things, remember this year with the pre- pre-tournament games, GB lost to Lithuania both games. So... You know, I, I, I think Pete Russell will be down there. Right, these are my combinations. I'm going to try these for all five games. Um, and if you can do, I, I'd, I'd recommend going to him and uh, cheering the boys on uh, on the road to Kasichi. I'd also say go along to the Italy v Hungary game as well. I mean, we saw that in the big screen in the fan zone. Yeah. All in Budapest, and that was a really good game. Yeah, that was that was a cracker game. It's also hopefully both sides bring a good amount of fans over because the Hungarian fans they were amazing back in Budapest they were amazing so to, just to be in the same arena as them or even in the fans all yeah I mean one of the things I love, love about the international games is this different style of fans and different you know cultures of, of being a fan of sport um, and it's like you mentioned you know the Hungarians really raise it to a different level um, throughout the whole tournament. So if they could bring a few over, or even the, the, the Hungarians who will call the UK home, you know, I know when Poland played a couple of years ago, they, they targeted a place where huge Polish communities, everyone said, they, especially Coventry, there was about a thousand Polish fans brought an atmosphere that they've never heard before. So who knows, it may have the same effect with Hungarians and Italians. Yeah, I'd be interested to see the results from the... Uh... From those games, and be interesting to see how the action goes. But uh, always nice to bring some top quality international opposition over here, um, particularly the KHL ones, because the KHL games have got to be particularly difficult to go and see. I mean, in fairness, unless you're going to take a flight out to Riga, um, you know, or Russia, uh, you know, you, you're not. Yeah, exactly. You're not. You're not going to get. You know, you're not going to get a lot of opportunity to see those KHL games. So for those teams to come over here. I was certainly excited, particularly to see Riga on that list. I think it's mainly because I want a jersey, but you know, I'll, I'll go and see the game as well. Um, moving on. Yeah, you can't just book a Ryanair flight to Moscow, can you? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, moving on from those games, and I'll stick with you, Dave, because I believe you have a list of the questions that we have been asked via the social media outlets. We have, uh, and thank you very much. We've got um, a number this week, so. Uh, Get comfy, guys, because um, we will we'll start from Matt Bateman. Thank you very much for your questions, and uh, he's he's given us a number of them. So we'll go, we'll go from the top. Um, right, let's let's go this way. Do we think, as a panel, um, that away fans in general um, are becoming more and more exuberant in their support of their team, and do we see that lines across in terms of decency in how you behave? I wouldn't say so as a whole. Um, I think particularly the Belfast doubleheader just gone and certainly in the Belfast doubleheader coming up in January for us for the away leg. I think a lot of it, a lot of it for the away fans is a lot more alcohol driven than... It is for the home fans, particularly on those double headers. 
because most of the home fans will turn up. They'll you know they'll have maybe have a drink at the bar, but that's about it. Maybe fifty percent of them will drive home at the end, so they can't be drinking, or they'll only have one. So you know it's not as alcohol fueled. Whereas a lot of the away fans will come up. They'll have a few bevies before the game. They'll be staying at the hotel, so they'll be drinking throughout the game. So maybe the ethos does change a little bit between the away, away fans and the home fans in that respect. But I, I know that there was a bit of trouble in the Manchester game um, in Sheffield a few weeks back. I wouldn't classify that as being anything other than just a, a bit of an anomaly. Um you know, everybody's got a bit of an idiot fan. Everybody's got a, you know, everybody can at times maybe have have one drink too many, or maybe just get a bit too into the games. Um, you know, I I don't think that's a regular thing. You don't you don't often see fans getting kicked out of games for fighting. Um, I don't think it's tied into one particular arena or to one particular fan base. I just think it's just it happens. Maybe the the away fans can be a bit rowdier than the home fans, but as a whole, I, I wouldn't say there's too much of a difference. To be fair, absolutely. I, I when I see it, it's very much one-offs, and um, I think when it when you see it, it's that much of a shock because it is that much of a one-off. I think the worst I'd seen for a long time was the Newcastle fans at the uh, the Benson Edges Cup final, which shows how long ago that were, um, throwing a cheeseburger uh, to uh, Sheffield goalie Mike Torcher. Um, well, that was the worst I'd saw of it, uh, and and if you know the price of food in the arena now, imagine what you know. Even though it was a few years ago, you still won't throw uh, food away. Um, I said it's it's one offs for me, um, and I, I just think some, sometimes you know, you, you, as I said, a fan base sees another fan base be very vocal and everything, and for whatever reason you get annoyed, oh they're a bit loud and all this, and, and you take a, a bit of an umbrage. Now I'm not saying. Matt has done this one occasion, let me just straight away say. Um, but sometimes you, you see where it just gets a bit of an umbrage and, oh, I just want to be annoyed about it. <clears throat> so I think sometimes you've got to kind of let them go with the flow as long as they don't do anything stupid and that's and it's offensive and ruins your enjoyment because everyone's entitled to enjoy it. Um, they pay the money, so they're entitled to that enjoyment. Um, if I suppose if it gets worse, then it'll be so much show sec will uh, no doubt to get on top of uh, and rectify it is also it can also be the case of the home fans being as worse than the away fans. I I've witnessed it all the way up in Kakada, where some of the home fans were worse than the away fans. So it's I I I totally agree with Joe. It's some of it can be alcohol fueled and people just not being able to hold their liquor very much. You'll always get the one, the one, the one silly person in the fan in the fan base. Yeah, um, I don't think it's away fans as such. I, I think it's on both sides. I mean, every team, every team's fan has, has that one or two percent who, who just take things a bit too far. But uh, as you guys have said, I, I think it is quite alcohol driven. Um, we 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 walked rest out uh, about the incident in Fife. I believe there was a, a pint of beer thrown on one of the players that was sat on the bench from one of the fans. A few was it last season or the season before that? So yeah, I've I think it is just that one or two percent that is you know the one too many of them probably should have and 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 they just you know it it becomes themselves. Yeah, it it's just that few percent in in every fan base. 
yeah, it's normally you know one or two or four, you know one you know one to five percent of a fan base that ruins it for the majority um, who go and support the team and, and have a great time. Uh, the next question: Are Belfast as good as their results showing, or is it a case of Bessarani saving them? See, I'd say that they are really a really good side, but then after watching last night's game, maybe it could be best goal saving their backsides. But the goal is only as good as he plays in front of him. I must agree with, uh, with what Brest said there. It's, it's, it's a team game, and uh, I think they've got a good depth in that squad. I uh, you know they've got some, some great players in. Uh, Justin John has been really well, been playing really well recently. Uh, so are the third and, uh, and a few more players. Uh, especially Jonah. Um, another game on Wednesday wasn't uh, a great one as far as I'm concerned, but, jo- but Jonah scored a shot-handed and a power play goal in that one. Um, so I think it's the same for every sort of team, you know, they're going to have the games where they're, they're really hot and they're going to have games when they're, when they're cold, just like Sheffield were as well, as well on Wednesday when they went down 5-2 in, in, in Glasgow. But it is a team game and I think Giants as a whole, they've got a strong team in front of best for a while, you know, I think just one of those games where, you know, they were still in their bus basically, but they weren't quite there for that game in general. But uh, yeah, it's it's... It's more than just a goalie, even though he's, he's a good goalie and he's doing well, he's, he's making some, some good saves. It's pretty much a, a team game. I've got to be honest, that shorthanded goal last night against Dundee was really, really good. Uh, Joe, um, what are your thoughts on that question? I think the same question could be asked for Cardiff. At times, I know that Ben Bounds has been a bit more under fire for recent fixtures for Cardiff, but I think generally speaking, I think... Bounds is one of the driving reasons that, that Cardiff have had the success that they've had. But I've also said in fairness, I don't think Bounds is a, it would be as good a keeper without a good defence around him. Uh, Bounds can be a bit of a rebound machine. And in fairness, Cardiff have always done well to get a defence around him to, um, to isolate that and to stop, stop any problems from arising out of that. Um, and in fairness, I'd say similar for Belfast. I think Beskarawani is, is a stellar netminder. Um, he really has done a fantastic job. That first game against Sheffield, he, he stood on his head. He played absolutely fantastic. There was only one man in the match in that game for me, for them, and that was that was Besko. Um, and in fairness, I think had they had maybe Murphy in net, may have been a different result. But that being said, as as Greff and Andy have already said, it's a team game. There are players in front of the netminder. At the end of the day, you can't win a game without scoring more than the opposition. And that ain't the goalie's job. You know, you can't win a game without the players out in front. And in fairness, I'm, I've got the stats up in front of me for the for the leading you know, point scorers in the league at the moment. And in fairness, in the top 10 uh, from Belfast alone, you've got Blair Riley in third, 33 points from 23 games. Um, you've got David Rutherford in sixth with 30 points from 24 games. And then you've got Darcy Murphy in seventh with 28 points from 23 games. So that's three players in the top 10 from Belfast, all averaging well over a point per game. So in fairness, they've clearly got the talent there as well. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And what you were saying in terms of let's go on on Saturday, that second period alone, um, I can't remember an intense period from any team on, a, on opposition as Sheffield were. And Belfast was on the point of breaking 
having not been for Besserani. He stopped him. He stopped him. Stoke apart from the down goal, but he stopped the. He was the only one that could stop the intensity. Yeah. So you know he's a great netminder, but I, I agree. I think Belfast are that good. Um, but it's funny you mentioned uh, Cardiff, uh, Joe, because the next question is quite simple. What has happened to Cardiff with their recent uh, slumping form? Or is it just a case of a slumping form and, you know, they're good enough and they'll turn it round? We'll start with Ander. I think there's just a slump. I think they will turn it round, um, especially with news of Fernie leaving. I, I think they'll be on that search for a, for a player who, who can put points up. Um yeah, Barnes has been great, uh, but again, you know, you, you've got to rely on, uh, on on the people in front of you, and I don't think they've been uh, quite as good as as of late. Uh, but I, I definitely think they will turn it around. Yeah, they've got a good coach in uh, Andrew Lord, and, and I'm sure he'll be doing everything they can to put things right again. I I honestly don't think anything's happened to Cardiff. The um... I wouldn't say the question surprised me. I, I think the problem is the question kind of gives credit to Cardiff for how good they've been over the last few months rather than over the last couple of weeks because essentially they've dropped a couple of games and we're now asking what's going on. Whereas I think, you know, Steelers have, have dropped a couple of games, Glasgow have dropped a couple of games and, and that's just a standard... Okay, fair enough, but it happens to Cardiff, and it, it, it is, and that and that's not by me by any means slating the question. If anything, it's, it's I, I think that's a league-wide thing. Is that as soon as as soon as Cardiff start dropping those games, people start paying a bit more attention. But then again, I mean, you look at the league table. Belfast is sat at the top, twenty-four games, thirty-six points. Cardiff is sat in third, and um, they've got three games in hand to Nottingham and one game in hand to Belfast. Uh, 23 points from 35. So if they win that game in hand, they actually go above um, Belfast in the standings. If you look at the p- win percentages, which obviously gives you a, a good indication as to where the teams would be if they'd all played even games, I appreciate there's no guarantee they're going to win the games in hand. But if you look at win percentage alone, Cardiff are at the top of the table in that aspect at the moment with 76.1% win percentage. Um, and the same stats that I dished off for... Belfast, in fairness, in the top ten. Cardiff have also got two of the top ten. So they've got, they've got Charles Lingley, 33 points from 23 games. And they've also got Gleeson Fournier, 27 points from 23 games. So I, I, my honest answer is nothing. I personally think, yeah, it's it's just showing that they are... It's the, what, it's the league. It's getting better each season. And they're showing that they are a team that can be beat. I mean, at the start of the season, when they were putting in 11 goals past MK, you were thinking, oh no, what's actually happening here? Are they just getting better and better each season? But it's, they're showing that they're teams that can be beaten. I mean, as one of the best games I've seen at our ring this season was against Cardiff. It was back and forth, back and forth. It was a great game to watch, but any hockey fan would have loved to have watched it. I agree in the general uh, prospect, but I'd expand on what Joe said in terms of what they've done the past couple of months, I'd like to say a couple of years, mm. as they have been the team to go to. And then when they drop, then it kind of wakes everyone up. It's like, whoa, something. I agree. They've lost games, but everyone else has lost games. Um, and they've got, they've got the roster to, to pick the goals. Yeah, they've lost Ben Budd. Um, 
Faria. Um, and then one of their fans even questioned, you know, should she get a better net, you know, she get a, a better net mind than Ben Bounds. And I'm, I'm, I just wonder, you know, where the logic is with that because he has, for me, won them more points than lost and helped them to a title. But uh, so, so I think the generic, you know, is there? It's nothing's happened. I think the next question, however, could be the interest in terms of a debate. So, when will Dave Sims admit that Tom Barrasso is the reason for the turnaround of the Sheffield Steelers? Now, I'll, I'll lead in with this one because there's a lot of talk from a certain group of fans within Sheffield, um, not just the Tomo-out bracketed fans, um, that Dave Sims hasn't mentioned in his uh, weekly articles that Tom Barrasso is, is one of the reasons of the turnaround. And some are putting two and two, potentially game four, potentially game 17, that he's just ignoring uh, Barrasso because it's not his best friend, Paul Thompson, who's currently the DEL. Now, before I throw it out there, I'm just going to say one thing. Uh, Barrasso's coming, he's done a wonderful job. But in terms of the goals and assists, I've actually never seen Barrasso's name on there. I've seen the players who've done it. Now, Kay's done a lot of work behind the scenes, but it's still the players that get the goals, the assists netminders make the saves to get the wins. Joe, what do you think? I'm I, I, I'm very much on the same side of the fence as you. Um, I don't, to be honest with you, I, I agree from a perspective, obviously it's the players that get the points, it's the players that get the goals. Barrasso came in and, you know, I, I think he's a, a fantastic coach. He's, his record since he came in really, really does speak numbers. Um, and speaks volumes but as you say at the end of the day it's the players that make the difference Barrasso came in didn't make a huge change to any of the playing staff at the, when he first came in um, you know we, we still lost a couple two or three games after Barrasso came in as, as people started to adjust to his systems in comes Ben O'Connor Dowdy comes back from injury and all of a sudden the form turns now I don't deny for a minute that that form is mainly down to Barrasso, his systems, the way that things are being played, you know. But at the same time, you have to give the credit to the players as well. The problem is, we as fans can sit there, we can go, wow, we've won X amount of games out of the last X amount, look at the record as compared to before Barrasso came in. Great. Put that in an article in the start, because I guarantee you it's a boring read. Because it doesn't say anything. It tells you what you know. It tells you what you can see by going on flash scores and seeing the record. Um, but then you look at what Simsy said in the article, and what Simsy said is, is basic journalism. It's basic PR. What he said is something that people aren't saying on social media, that people aren't posting everywhere. He's bringing out the not necessarily the unsung heroes, but what he is saying is, look... Yes, Barrasso, all right, he hasn't said it in print that yes, Barrasso's made a difference. But what he is saying is, we're getting Robert Dowd going into Fife and scoring four goals. We're getting Dowdy scoring three goals over a weekend against Belfast and being a major reason that we won the game on a Sunday. We've got Ben O'Connor standing strong on the blue line, pinging him in, getting assists and goals like he did before he left to go to Sweden. That's that's the part of the that that's the part that I don't understand. You could put the fact that Barrasso is doing a great job in in the paper, but I guarantee you it isn't as interesting a read as you know talking about Dowdy and and, and O'Connor. You can reel off the stats with Dowdy and O'Connor, and I guarantee you less people will realise it than saying, "Oh look, Steelers have won the last X amount out of X amount." 
and that's that's the key thing that I think it is. More people will be more interested to read the article saying look at Ben O'Connor and Robert Dowd than people will to say look at Tom Barrasso. It doesn't for a minute mean to say that we're just forgetting about Barrasso. I've got a question to Andy and Gref, and I'll start with Gref more. As a generic hockey fan, do fans resonate more with the player than the coach? I'd say it's more the player than the coach. I mean, you, your players are the ones that are getting the points. They're the ones that are winning the game for you. I mean, the coach has got less in place, but your players have to play to that system to get those goals. If they're not playing that system to get the goals, they're not getting goals, you're not winning games. So then you'd be then moaning about the coach not being good. It's like, well, it's kind of works both ways. If your players are not working well, they're actually, they could not be the, the right guys for you, as you found out with the Rupert brothers. Yeah, I, I think... I think the general rave recently has been has been about Barrasso, and that's a great thing. But I think some of that concentration has gone off the players uh, more than it probably should have. I don't get to get as much credit as probably do have because since Barrasso's taken over, he's brought out the best in, in those players that were already there. You know, a, a, apart from Deluca and men nearly nearly climbing, um, you know, he's he's bringing out the best in the players, and I don't think they get as much. Uh, rave is what, is what I should do. You know, you, you mentioned Dowdy is is on fright at the moment. Uh, ben O'Connor is going back back to where he left off to and doing really really well. Uh, Jackson as well and, and, and Matt Climey. It's just uh, the team in general is doing really well, and uh, it's it's good to have you know uh, a, a lot of people you know rare about the coach and everything, which is a great thing. But you need to you know. See what the players are doing as well. You know, it's it's not just Brasso, it's the players as well. You know, there's twenty there's twenty of them and they're all doing really well at the minute. And uh, yeah, I just don't think they get as much credit uh, as what the players deserve really. So I think that's why it's probably mentioned more. I'm gonna throw one question for one for the next bit. A very quick yes or no. And I'm I'm not sorry with the bluntness of the question going to go across. If Sims' next article was to praise Brasso in any way, shape, or form, would it shut up that section of fan base? Yes or no? Start with Gref. No. Andy? Absolutely not. Joe? Computer says no. <laughs> so I, 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 I must be honest, I think it wouldn't either. However, sometimes you've got to praise the players, make them believe themselves. And Barrasso looks like the type of guy that needs smoke blowing up him. He looks like he's confident enough. He, he knows what he's doing. The guy's in a winning, Vezina Trophy winning, double Stanley Cup winning goalie. Do you really think he needs a journalist from Birmingham to say, well done, Tom, you've done a good job there? Like, <laughs> what's going on? I, you, you pull the cards on the table, it's, a, it's an interesting one. But uh, thanks for the question, Matt. Last one, for, or two more for him. Do we believe any changes are needed in Sheffield still and if we do who would we make I'd say yeah and I'll say you need to change the prices of your your food and drink that'll be it for me so to Andy and Joe <laughs> are the roster changes that would make what would it be <laughs> Andy I'll let you say that first mate um, for now, no. 
I don't think so, because I think we've got a good team already. Yeah, we lost a few games. South Cardiff, look at them. they still got a strong team. Belfast have dropped points to, to Dundee. They're still a strong team. So I think right now, we don't need any, anyone in, uh, especially not, not until after Christmas. If, you know, if maybe some players have, have not been, uh, been productive as, as expected, but right now, they're, they're fine. I wouldn't change a single thing. You know, he's he's sewing lines out, which we are clicking. Um, I think the, the only thing I would change about Sheffield, about the Steelers, is probably uh, the paint outside the arena. It, it needs a bit more fresh paint on it, but apart from that, no. I was expecting a completely different route there from Monastery, Andy. Uh, before, uh, would you make changes now, given the injuries that we've got to, to Dave Phillips and without knowing how long um, for Eric Neely? Yeah, exactly what I was just going to say. I'd, I'd potentially bring in another forward just to kind of cover, because in fairness, it's, it's always nice to have that spare. Um, I hear Brendan Brooks is free. Um, no, I'm joking. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring back Brooks. Um, he's match fit, though. He's well for now um, yeah no I, um, I'd i probably bring in another forward just to cover for Neely or f- to cover for any potential future injuries I think if we take another injury um, it could be a big knock I know that Dowd didn't play in Glasgow either yesterday Yes, yeah yesterday I know that Dowd didn't play either so that's two big forwards to have out of the game and then obviously Davey looking like he's going to be out for a long time Defence a little bit more difficult to cover up in that instance, obviously with Davey being a, a, a Brit. Um, there's not a great deal of Brit demon out there. I know we've got Griffin that's that's there as a potential, but realistically, it, it's not a you know it's not a, a no disrespect to Griffin, but it's not a huge replacement for a guy like Davey Phillips to bring in um, an inexperienced 16, 17 year old to come and fill the gap. Um, one player that I would keep an eye on, maybe after we've had a few people returning from injury would be McFadden um, he's, he's a guy that hasn't massively impressed me he's, he's looked a lot better over the last couple of games um, the goal that he scored the other day was a complete fluke and that's nothing against it but it was he pinballed off another guy's skate and trickled in behind Beskarawani but um, generally speaking I think he's probably the demon that brings the least to the table I'd like to see us bring in another big guy Um that's going to lay on the body a little bit more and that's going to make me more willing to drop the gloves if needed. But to be honest with you, you know, we're running pretty well at the moment. I kind of maybe put the loss on Wednesday down to obviously a big double header the weekend before, missing Dowdy, Neely, Phillips, three big players. Um, I, I don't think there's a great deal that needs to change. Uh, I kind of agree. I've got one player, well, I'll not mention because I don't think it's worth. I don't think he's there ready to be the kind guy or change. Um, I know Dowdy was missing because his, his wife is, is due any time oh, yeah, she was in labour and hopefully all that goes well. Um, so I'd, I'd probably look at one player maybe, but at the moment I think everything's going smoothly. And as, as, as the systems are going and everything's you know learning about them, I think you know the, the results speak themselves. But like Sharon is, I think Brasso will change as and when he feels like it. Last question from Matt. Why are Dundee getting big scouts? <laughs> Would anyone like to answer that one? Do we, is it, is it uh, the goalie, Shokin, or is it um, inspirational coaching from Omar Pasha? I'd say it's more from the, the goalie than anything. 
it's watching his his performance of the, the previous games, their goalie is is really good and they always seem to get a good goalies up in Dundee as well. You had Fullerton the other year over season. He's doing well for Guildford. For me it's their goalie is really good. Pash is, is a good coach. We've we've seen him that do his thing in Manchester. Obviously, whilst whilst he's actually playing wise, it's great because he can actually see the game. He can read the game. He'll know what to do. Whilst whilst he was like a, a player coach with down down in Manchester, there was some times where we thought you need to stop being a D man and be a coach. Yeah, I, I think these... I don't know, because I had a bit of a soft spot for Dundee going into the season. I think they recruited a lot better this year. Um, and then, for a long time, it was looking like they were going to be sat in that bottom three bracket. I, I think maybe they may be climbing up to maybe show me that I was right to, to hold a bit of faith in them. Um, Pontus Jogren is a an outstanding netminder. He really, really is. Um, good to see a goalie with a bit of persona as well. A guy who seems to like to come out of the net a little bit more, um, but a, a cracking netminder uh, and, and has made some fantastic saves that we've seen. Um, they've also recruited, obviously, they've, they've also got a couple of good guys out um, skating for them as well. So they've got people like Jordan County, um, who is up for an EIHL Player of the Week this week, I believe, because after a good weekend. Um, Francois Bouchard is another guy who um, you know had had some good stats coming into the season. So they've got some good they've got some good guys on their team. I wonder if it was just a case it took them a little bit longer to gel at the start of the season. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know they've they've got some good players. They've got a coach who knows the league. They've got an assistant coach who knows the league. Obviously, Marquois is is a, a fantastic player. In, in addition to a guy who's bringing a lot as an assistant coach. Um, so yeah, now that they seem to be getting into the stride a bit more, um, you know, they, they seem to be bringing some good results. Yeah, I mean, uh, Patrick's a great coach. Um, he's definitely recruited really well this season. Uh, best of them probably is Sheldgren. No, he, he's not played in this week, I believe, for nothing. Um, he's, he's a really good goal, but as, as Joe said, they've got some outskaters too who were really good. Uh, I mean, from Last night's game, the only thing that, the only thing that let Dundee down was taking to win a penalty, but 5-5, five five, they were fantastic. And uh, as Joe mentioned, Bouchard getting a hat-trick as well. Um, Marquardt as well, he's a pretty good, pretty good job there. So is Lucas Lundvold. So, yeah, there's a few guys up front that can put the points up, and uh, I think they are starting to get into, a, into their strike. Yeah, the type of team that have doing their business very on, on the down low then you know they're just getting results here and there but they have picked up a couple of uh, good results recently so so thanks uh, matt for them questions and then the last question was from craig day um again one of our regulars thank you very much for your input and it's based on our conversation on last episode where we spoke about the league structure and how it was harming or benefiting our british players in development so his question was very simple, was what league structures would we have um, in place in the UK? And I'll throw it out to you three before I, uh, I'll throw my uh, two-penny thing on this one. 
So by the sounds of it, the status quo, which is fine. No, I'll take this one. I'll, I'll start off, because in fairness, <laughs> I've got a few ideas. I was, uh, I was leaving that open if Gref or Andy wanted to chime in there. But um, I'd like to see the EPL come back either as the EPL or the Phil or whatever it was going to be called before they decided to just completely get rid of it. Um, I'd like to I'd like to see a league come back like that. Um, maybe it'd be nice to have that step. And also one of the things that Craig said in that was was about farm teams as well. It'd be nice to be able to have each team in the elite league have a farm team in the EPL where we could we could have players sign. And, and this wouldn't happen. This wouldn't happen unless we had a massive structural change in the elite league as well as anything else because a contract means nothing. In the elite league, you look at a contract in the NHL, and um, a player leaves to go to another team. They have to pay them off. They pay. I mean, the the the, the key one that strikes out to me as an example is the Haglin Pearson trade in the NHL recently, where Pittsburgh is still paying off like a fifth of Haglin's wage or contract or whatever, um, just to even that even that trade out. You wouldn't get that in the elite league because a contract means nothing. If a player turns around to a team and says, I want to leave, then the team generally will just go, yeah, okay, because to be fair, if you want to leave, you'll leave anyway. Whereas obviously in the NHL, they've also got the draw of, this is the league everybody aspires to be playing in. But it'd be nice to be able to sign players on a on two-way deals as well. So to be able to have your top-end players on a one-way deal that you can't drop down, but then also to have players like um, Kieran Brown, you know Jordan Griffin. You know even even some of your lower end imports or lower end Brits that are a bit higher up than that. Be able to drop them down and move them up. It'd help with injury. It'd help with development and things like that. And then in the EPL, I'd, I'd have a limit on imports. I couldn't tell you how many because to be honest, I, I I've thought about it, but to be honest with you, I can't think of a number. I'd, I'd probably say five or six imports max in the EPL. But what I would be saying is you are every team has to have a British goalie because I think that is one of the key things that we need to be looking to develop in this league is the is the Brit goalies. Um because we just don't we don't have the calibre of Brit goalie at the moment because they're not given that chance. So if we could say put the Brit goalies on a two way deal, still sign the two important as we want, but then we can move up the Brit goalies for the lower games. Belfast is an example. Eight eight nil league going into the second leg of the Challenge Cup. Start the starting netminder, play the first period. If they're still up by eight goals, ten goals, seven goals, something along those lines, pop in your Brit goalie for the last two periods, given that bit of experience. So it'd be nice to have that kind of transitional move. Um, and then just to have the NIHL below as a, almost as the same kind of thing that the EPL would be to the EIHL, just to give it a bit of structure. Um, but it's just simple right now, the gap is just too big. No, okay. So, so mine would be um, would be three tiers again, and as as had I, I called it the, the BPL, uh, the British Premier League, because I'd have Solway, or I'd encourage Solway, and I'd encourage another Scottish team um, to make that move there. So you had um, the Elite League at one level, and then you had a, a, the the second tier, but you had a North and South, and then you had a third tier, including Scotland and North and South. With a full farm system, it would, like you said, you hit the nail on the head, it would take a humongous structural change completely from top to bottom of the leagues. But a player that could be signed from one of the teams in the Elite League that would be able to go down to the BPL, the BNL, however you want to call it, whatever initials you want to use, but they could go up and down freely 
and vice versa. Players can go up. This is not just a case of going down. Um, but have in the, the second tier, I'd go three imports. But I'd also throw in the veteran rule. Like your complete roster, maximum of four players over 32. And then on the, the third tier, I'd go six veteran rule. To encourage the younger players, to encourage them, teams, to have the younger players to build them through. Third tier, I'd go one import. Um, and then I, 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 so I'd have it that way, where you'd have your third tier of, of teams that aren't able to compete. So let's just look at the, the NIHL for the moment. You've got teams like Basingstoke, Peterborough, Sheffield, Hull. Should they realistically be in the same league as a team like the Nottingham Lions? And we mentioned last week, no spectrum. They pay to play. D-side, I believe they have a similar nature. And some of the, the low-end southern teams who are also pay to play. Should they be in the same bracket? How how does that benefit the game across the board? It doesn't. So I think we need to have that second tier that is for the teams that are able to and want to compete with, with three imports. I won't go as far as four and five as the old EPL did, but I agree with it. it needs to be that second tier that bridges that gap and allows players to go up and down the chain to then have the benefit of the players going and training with the Elite League, being able to a proper affiliation with the Elite League, to so that they can benefit. And then when we come March, April time, we're talking of a pool of 40 players. You then start saying, actually, there's a pool of 60, 70 players that you've seen throughout the season. Yes, some may have dropped up and down the chain, but actually 50, 60, 70 players who could compete for a spot on the national side. Goal is in all. So that's what I'd like to see. But what, the other thing I'd also have, and one thing that we've spoken off, off air a fair bit, is the coaching is I'd like to see a, a good structure of coaching. So you have one person to develop and have the blueprint of how we train our juniors. And that's fed to all the teams who has junior systems. And then their coaches, once once a month, meets up, discusses the latest trends in coaching, discusses everything to keep them up to date. And whether it's generic coaches or even net mining coaches, because we've seen a couple of the elite league teams now use net mining coaches. I'd like to see every elite league team have a net mining coach, because I think that's you know, you're, you're 0.5% of edges to, to get the win, I think, you get there. And you've seen Cardiff invest in a net mining coach over the last couple of years. So I'd, I'd like to see that develop and train the people that train the players. So it's not a case of, here's a booklet, here's the, um, the coaching guide, there you go, and that's it. We meet once a year. Now let's have it once a month. Let's get everybody together. Let's keep our coaches... And whether it's the, the, the coach in the sevens, under nines, or the coach, the elite league, get them all together. Let's have everyone on that same hymn sheet and any trends or you know or anything that we can gauge from Europe and North America, let's have our coaches learning them. Let's develop our coaches because they'll develop our players. And then our players will then develop the national side. And instead of a vicious circle, it becomes a positive circle. And we're seeing improvement. And you may have, you know, at a time where the import limits of the top division gets reduced because we've, we've, we've invested properly in our BRIC players that become good enough to compete at a decent stage in Europe and North America. That's I, I agree with that as well. I mean, in the, the old days, well, I said the old days, it was only a few years ago, with the demise of the EPL before then, the NAHL, they, they had a rule where it was only one import Obviously, that had to change because of 
with the likes of Peterborough, Swindon, Sheffield, Hull going into that league, they had to change it. They only had one import rule. And that import, I don't even think, got paid either. The, if we call it the EPL 2.0, I'd say, yeah, three imports, probably a, a good figure to have. I would say you could not get an import goaler. Make sure your goalers are rip standard. That would help develop them a, a lot. I mean, we've mentioned it previously on on our previous podcasts where we're talking about goalies that are rip goalers where where we're going to rock the bouncer or Jackson Russell, as an example. Where we're going to rock the those guys. We probably had that far when Steve Lyle was about where we were going to go. Yeah, for me, I, I would eventually like to see, uh, as far as you're concerned, uh, quite a, a, a big drop in imports. Uh, pro, well, eventually, maybe be a few years yet, but maybe drop down to about eight or nine. Um, I think Dave's right in saying that there should be an affiliation system in place. So, so like Manchester be affiliated with Hull, and, and they'll be looking for players to, to, to bump up, and uh, obviously Steelers will steal those in, in that similar sort of way. Um, I think I do miss the EPL. Um, you know, the NHL just isn't as as strong as what the EPL was, and uh, I think it, in saying that, it would need to be like a UK wide thing. So there are two teams I would like to see uh, compete in, in like in like a UK sort of version of the NHL with Kikori uh, Kestrels are a good team, but I'd, I'd like to see them uh, play in, in like a nationwide sort of league uh, and also Cardiff Fire uh, a really good team there but there is one one of if not many uh, English born and born and trained players that are doing really well in the, in the NIHL that probably should be in, in, in the in the elite league this season and one of them is Lee Bonner who's 21 uh, and last season he did ask Manchester Storm for three games but this season in seven games he scored 24 points and that now for me, it's players like him that, that should be a high level because he deserves to be there. And it's a it's a it's a British player. So it could be an elite team missing out on a really good Hong Kong player. Uh, for me that that is the case. Uh, so there are already a lot of really good uh, English and British players that are in the NIHL, but as like like I said, there's only, there's only a couple in there. Uh, but I do think they should be definitely performing at, uh, at, at, at an elite level, if not next season, um, or, or this one. Right? See, Lee also played on on Tuesday night against the Panthers. He, was, he asked for us, he had a few good shifts. He was really good. He played for Storm as well during pre-season. And I agree, he looks like a really good player. I He will be elitely talent in the next few years at least. No, I agree. I mean, one thing, whenever you mention about farm teams, and I think this is more the culture of the fan, is whenever you say, well, have this player play for X team and their team, he can move to Y team like that, it's, well, why, why should our team, he's our player, why should we benefit them? Why should we do work for them? What do we get out of this? What, it's, it's very much a me, me, me. And I, 
that I think for any, if you were to go down the line and then if any way, shape, form that ICK decided right, we're going to have this massive change and all the teams and owners decided, yes, we'll go with these changes, that would be the one challenge as a hurdle to go overcome is the, the culture of the fans to understand that, yes, you may be training X player, but actually, because of where you are in the, in the chain of command, your job actually is to move up to the next tier. And then there, to, if you're the second tier, then your job is to move them to the first tier. But it's an understanding that if you are lower down, is it's not a slur on your club. Actually, you're, if you look at a lot of the NHL guys, um, and one that stands out just randomly is Jason Spezza, uh, plays for Dun uh, Dallas. I'm not going to say Dundee, then that's not the NHL. There you wish. Uh, he has his yeah, he has his junior team uh, logo on his helmet as a nod to them developing him to make the show. And I'm sure there's many other players who do that. And that should be the culture. That junior team are proud that their player that's gone through their system is in the biggest league in the world. And that should be the culture if we were to have an affiliation system in the UK. Is, you know what, we're proud. Let's just say the Seal Dogs. And the Seal Dogs are very proud that Ben Bounds went through their system and is now GB's number one. But that's the exception. That should be the rule. Is that the teams who aren't going to be in the Elite League should be proud that they've developed players to make the big leagues. Yeah, absolutely. The, the problem at the moment with the NIHL as well, though, is that the, the players aren't aspiring to make the Elite League as much because of, of the jump. You know, previously in the NAHL, players might be going, OK, do you know what, if I get a particularly good season this year, if I put up 24 points in seven games, then maybe next year I'll be playing in the EPL. And then players in the EPL might be going, oh, OK, well, do you know what, I've put up two points per game consistently this, this year, maybe I'll get a look in the EIHL. Currently, I'm, I, and I'm, I, don't, I, mean, I don't mean this to downplay it at all, but I hear a guy scoring 24 points in seven games in the NAHL, and my thought is, it's the NIHL. You're playing against guys that are paying to play. If you're a standard that's just below breaking into the Elite League, then you should be walking all over people in the NIHL in certain teams because they pay to play. Because they're essentially they're a step up from, if not, just am they're, they're amateur hockey players because they pay to play. So those kind of players, or certainly the kind of players that are putting up 24 points in seven games or, or however many points in however many games, those players aren't looking at it and going, oh, maybe this year I'll get a sniff in to play for Manchester or then maybe this year I'll get a sniff in to play for Sheffield. Because what they're doing is they're going, OK, well, I've just scored three goals and seven and assisted two in that game. I've got five points in a game, but what's going to happen from it? There's nowhere I can go. Because there's just that dead space in between the NIHL and the and the Elite League. No, it's, it's, it's a question that has been asked for many, many years. And, and I know we've got spent a fair bit of time on this one. And amongst any other points, and if you agree or disagree with us, um, plenty of ways you can gain touch with us uh, via social media, Jim. There are, yes. Yeah. So on on Twitter, we are at MFZ Podcast. On Facebook, we are My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. So if you do have any questions, you've got any feedback, um, one thing that I will say now is some of the feedback that we received, we actually got some from Craig, who is the one that asked this question that we've been discussing. Um, he actually said and gave us the feedback of we maybe need to be trying to aim for more of an hour's podcast. I think maybe you've probably gone for one of maybe the longest podcasts so far following that feedback. So uh, we're not ignoring that, Craig. It is difficult to do 
because we're, because we're trying to cover the league rather than a team, it is difficult to condense the podcast enough to be an hour, particularly when you get 10 players leaving or coming in. And then obviously you've got a big question like this, obviously where we're discussing logistics and possibilities and, and two separate leagues. It, it, it's been a full week. So in fairness, that's one of the reasons, but it is difficult. But we will, we will look in in future to uh, to try and cap the podcast episode to about an hour. Um, let us know what what, what you think. If you know, do you, do you agree with Craig? Would you rather see them an hour? Are you happy with them to go an hour and a half or so? Um, you know, we want to know. We want we want to optimize these podcasts for you guys that are listening. Um, so get on get on Twitter, get on Facebook. Send us a message, put it out on in public, put it, send it to us in private. We, we, we don't mind. We'll take any feedback on board, as I say, because we want to optimise this um, as much as possible. So, yeah, get in touch with us on, on social media. Let us know what you think. And as Dave says, ask any questions that you've got, because um, obviously, as you can see this week, we've had some very good questions asked and uh, the very thought-provoking um, topics to raise that maybe we wouldn't raise ourselves. Uh, I think I'd be happy if we kept it to an hour and a half. Just the amount of content we've got and we're getting, I think an hour and a half is an achievable goal. But, uh, you know, if people are enjoying it, let us know. Yeah, you've never said, you know, I've, I've never known a season like this one before so many signings and departures in, in such a short space of time. You know, it's, I've personally never seen this many before. New week, it's been it's constant since September. But you it's know, some maybe things like that. Maybe signings will start thinning out soon. Maybe, but hopefully. Just out because it's <laughs> hopefully. Maybe we, have a quite, maybe we may have a quiet Christmas. Who knows? I, I suspect we might have a bit of a quiet day on the 25th of December, gents. That might be the day to aim for. Yeah, um, let's go for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, do you know what? It's not even just the Elite League, though. You look in the NHL and there's been about three or four coaching changes, which is unprecedented in the NHL. So it's not just the Elite League that has seen a bit of an abnormal season. You know, everyone's changing, everyone's quick to try and keep up with the pace. And I must say, I'm Weander, I've not seen the, the, the condensed number of, of changes uh, in on-ice and off-ice personnel. Uh, it's, it's, it is unprecedented, but uh, it gives us something to talk about. And it gives us something to ask, who is Gareth Dutton? Who is Gareth Dutton? Who is he? Never heard of him. Hashtag, who is really? Gareth Dutton? <laughs> we want your suggestions. <laughs> Hashtag toothless but, wonder. But uh, no, yeah, like I said, yeah, we had a great set of question from from Man Craig. Please send them through to us. Um, that content makes the podcast. It gives us plenty to talk about. Gives us something to think about, and then it also feeds into other people. Um, so yeah, keep firing them in. Absolutely, keep firing them in. And to bring this episode to a close, because we're talking about trying to keep them being shorter and then we're going on and on at the end um, the last few things obviously that we've got as always are the upcoming fixtures um, I'll run through them up to next Wednesday just because we're recording on Thursday this week so I'll run through them up to Wednesday just to make sure we can cover all, over all those games um, I'm not going to ask you as to how many goals I'm not going to ask you for any blurb I just want a one word answer um, as to who's going to win the games guys we'll try and wrap this up fairly quickly so first game on a Saturday is Guildford v Belfast who do we think Belfast 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 and a full house for Belfast 
Um, then we've got Dundee versus Milton Keynes in Dundee. Dundee. I, yeah, Dundee. Dundee. And again, a full house for Dundee. <laughs> uh, then we have a game in Manchester. It's the Storm versus the Panthers. I'll kick this one off with the Panthers. 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 Full house again. We're going well this time, gents. Uh, and finally, on the Saturday, we have Flyers versus Coventry in Kakodi. Coventry. Oh, we have a difference in opinion. Sorry, go again. So, Dave, you said Coventry. Andy, you said Fife. Gref? Yeah, I say Fife. I'm going to go with Dave on this one. I'm going to say Coventry. I'm going to split it. Ooh, split house. Split house. So if anybody's putting accumulators on, don't blame us when they don't come in. Uh, <laughs> um, Sunday. Oh, God, that good this year. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're following me on the first game with the Belfast doubleheader, of which that was a perfect bet to put on. Um, no, I'm never going to shut up about that. Um, Sunday the second. Sunday, Sunday the second of December. We've done a time warp. Uh, Sunday the 9th of December. We have Belfast versus Cardiff in Belfast. Cardiff. Oh, we've got a difference again. Dave said Cardiff. Hold on, did you say Cardiff? I, I don't. I, I said Cardiff. Andy said Belfast, I believe. Yep. I said Cardiff as well. I'm going to go with Belfast. So, explain it again. Uh, we have Glasgow versus Storm in Glasgow. I'm going to kick that one off with Storm. In overtime, I'll go with that one. But... <laughs> I agree, Storm. Glasgow. I say Glasgow as well. Can we not just have three people against one? Are we always going either four all or two two? Um, <laughs> we're not helping people put accumulators on that aren't going to come in. Um, then we have Dundee versus Sheffield in Dundee. Sheffield. 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 Oh, we have a full house again. It's Sheffield. Um, <laughs> Then in Coventry, the Blaze take on the Panthers. 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 Full house again. Panthers. Um, Milton Keynes versus Fife to wrap up the Sunday. That's in Milton Keynes. MK. I'm still going to say Fife. MK. <laughs> We're going to go 2-2 again. I'm going Fife. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then next Tuesday, so that's the 11th of December, we have two Challenge Cup games. It's Belfast v Dundee, the second leg. Uh, what do we reckon? I imagine they'll probably start Murphy uh, in Belfast because they've already got that 8-0 lead. Uh, I'll go Belfast again. Yeah, Belfast. I'll say Belfast as well. Belfast. Uh, and then we have Panthers v Storm in Nottingham. Panthers obviously having that 6-1 lead from Tuesday. Um, I'm going to go Panthers. 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 Full house again. Uh, the oh. final game that we'll discuss this week is the first leg of the Challenge Cup, not the Conti Cup, between the Steelers and the Guildford Flames. Um, this one's in Sheffield. I'm, I'm going to say Sheffield. A little blur for Sheffield. I'm going to say Guildford. Sheffield. We've got a three versus one split on this one. Three one for Sheffield on that. Um, so yeah, I mean that brings the features to a close um, for this week. 
as we say, please do not put any accumulators on and then hold us responsible for any that don't come in. Um, we're about as confident in these um, predictions that we're making as we are confident in the fact that a big boxing match will come up with a non-draw result because it looks like that's what's happening with all the boxing matches recently. So, completely off-topic comment there, but, you know... Um, I'd have gone down the Brexit route, but never mind. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> I like to mix things up and stay away from politics. Um, so, yeah, that brings this episode to a close. We do apologise for the length of the podcast. Um, we appreciate, obviously, Craig's feedback, and obviously we do apologise if you're thinking that they are going on a little bit too long, but um, we are trying. There has been a lot of topics to cover this week, and there are generally a lot of topics to cover, but do give us your feedback. Once again, it's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. You can find us on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. But for the time being, Gref, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Pleasure as always. Andy, thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Enjoy your open bargain tomorrow. Yes, thank you. Um, I will very much enjoy my open bar do tomorrow. It's my work's Christmas do, so that'll be fun. Um, and Dave, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Pleasure's all mine. Uh, yeah, thanks to everybody that's listened to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.